Welcome back to Beyond Campus, a podcast that delves into various topics pertaining to Israel, Zionism, and having a positive connection to Israel on campus and beyond. I'm your host, Destiny Albritton, with the Israel on Campus Coalition. Today, I'm discussing being Jewish on campus with our guests, Bridget Mishkani and Daniel Conway, two exceptional student leaders from the University of California, Berkeley, in addition to being ICC Geller International Fellows. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the show. Hi, Daniel and Bridget. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to you know, get into this conversation with you. I think so many people have questions for you two as uh, UC Berkeley students. So uh, I guess before we just jump into uh, some of the, the big subjects I want to tackle today, can you both tell me a bit about or can you tell our, our listeners and the people who are watching a bit about yourself and why did you choose UC Berkeley? Sure. I'm happy to kick it off. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Daniel. I'm a sophomore at UC Berkeley. I'm studying environmental economics and policy in the College of Natural Resources. Um, I chose Berkeley because it, they have a great environmental program. It's what I really wanted to go into, do something revolving uh, the, the, the solutions to climate change and all that. Then I ended up getting super involved in the Jewish community, um, something I didn't really have in my youth. Um, and then I've kind of, my expectations were do well in school, find cool opportunities. And I found a lot of these opportunities through the Jewish community, through advocating for Israel, et cetera. And my, I've honestly enjoyed my undergraduate experience, although all of this craziness, but um, it adds a little bit of spice to the to our everyday lives, I guess. <laughs> I like that, a little spice. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Bridget? First of all, Destiny, thank you for having us. Um, really appreciate you and love to be here. Um, but hi, guys, my name is Bridget. I'm a second year studying economics, and I'm currently an ASUC senator at UC Berkeley. Um, I chose Berkeley because of my aspirations to join the undergraduate business school and um, still working towards that goal. Um, I knew that coming in that um, the Jewish community would be something completely different than I was used to. Um, a little bit different from Daniel, My I grew up with a very, very strong Jewish community mm -hmm. uh, that was inherently very supportive of Israel. So I knew coming here would be a challenge, but I was okay with that. And I was looking forward to seeing um, how I can grow and learn and help the Jewish community here. Hmm. So you both, you know, you both mentioned when you were discussing your involvement with the Jewish community and each of your Jewish identities, you both mentioned Israel. Uh, can you unpack for me? Because remember, I'm not Jewish, <laughs> um, and and maybe not all the the listeners are Jewish. Can you explain for me, like what that link is or what the connection is between your you know Jewish identity and being involved in the the Jewish community? With how does that connect to Israel, and how does that relate to your Jewish identity? It's just been very important to me and I've been learning about it a lot since coming to school especially the last year-ish because um, once again like I've really gotten involved in the Jewish community at Berkeley 
um, even though there's all this stuff happening, the Jewish community is really able to be strong and it's a very strong community. Um, and I think a lot of the the pushback we get forces us to be stronger. Um, so I've been able to learn about Israel in a lot of different ways. Um, and I'm trying to continue to learn and, and become a better um, advocate as we as I go throughout school. A big part of that comes from my family leaving Iran and kind of figuring out where that place, um, that place that's going to keep them safe will be. And for most of my family, that was Israel. So um, right after leaving Iran, around 79, um, a lot of my family fled to Israel and still lives there now. And so a big part of my family broke off there. And then eventually, um, a lot of my family moved to the U.S. So it was definitely um, an initial safe haven for a big part of my family. Um, mm -hmm. It's a big reason why I believe that um, it's so important um, that Israel continues to be that safe haven. Yeah, something I, I don't think people beyond the Jewish community really understand is that Israel is the ultimate expression of Jewish self-determination and autonomy, like you're kind of touching on, uh, Bridget, that uh, there's one country in the world, <clears throat> there's one country in the world that exists as, uh, you know, a sort of uh, insurance policy um, when things go, you know, really poorly for the Jewish community in all different parts of the world, they can uh, flee to safety in the a Jewish Jewish state, in the Jewish uh, homeland, right in the land of Israel, and uh, I just want to point out that you know you two, of course, you don't speak for the entire uh, you know Jewish <laughs> community in the whole entire world, um, you know, but the American Jewish community, um, or excuse me, the American Jewish Committee, they conducted a survey last year that found eighty-seven percent of American Jews. They viewed statements denying Israel's right to exist as anti-Semitic. And so uh, what you two are both saying about your your connection to your Jewish identity being related to Israel and, and, and the two things being linked together, that is a very representative view of, of the Jewish community, uh, particularly here in, in the United States. Um, and I also want to ask you to last fall, um, UC Berkeley the UC Berkeley Law School um, made news because they, gosh, um, they they put forth an initiative that uh, banned like Zionist speakers. And that was very alarming for many people who saw that even the law school's dean said it would exclude about 90% of Jewish individuals, including himself. I mean, what did you guys think when when that when that happened, how, did that impact you while you were on campus at all? Initially, um, because it wasn't, it didn't seem like it was a problem in the undergrad, and not really something that we could control um, ourselves. It was one of those things that, um, as a Jewish community, I think we were very upset about. Mm -hmm. But as far as it's impact I don't think we were looking towards 
taking any action or um, doing any combating of any sort just because um, I think initially um, the Jewish students in the law school had asked us not to. Um, I think this was something that they wanted to fight themselves. Mm-hmm. So we we kind of um, stood down and let them handle that. But um, after the Jewish Free Zones article came out, that was when um, our outside communities and people who cared about us really were adamant on us um, focusing on how we can not let that trickle down into our undergrad Mm -hmm. and do respond, but more um, in a preventative way. You mentioned earlier, Daniel, that you found a just a such a strong community and a strong like advocacy in the Jewish community this since you started college at UC Berkeley um this semester like very recently there was an effort to pass uh an IHRA resolution um and for those of you who are not so familiar with what the IHRA is uh, that stands for International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance and it's an intergovernmental alliance of 32 member countries who mis- whose mission it is to combat anti-semitism to preserve holocaust memory and focused on holocaust and focus on holocaust related issues um, so they came together and they developed a working definition of anti-semitism that was authored by a team of experts And, you know, essentially they came together and and asked themselves, how do we uh, define anti-Semitism in a way that reflects the lived experiences of Jewish people with modern anti-Semitism? It's important to note that this definition, while it is used in uh, different resolutions and different universities in different contexts, uh, it is not a legally binding definition. Um, they they authored it for it to be an educational tool. So it's really a framework for understanding the ways Jewish people experience anti-Semitism. Um, and the, the definition itself doesn't say anything about Israel, but the authors, the authors, they uh, wrote examples that they would extend, that they consider uh, the definition could be a applied to or uh, that by their definition they would consider uh, anti-Semitic. And so some of those examples include uh, delegitimizing Israel or comparing um, Israel or Israelis to to Nazis. And that's typically where the uh, pushback on using that definition comes from. So with that context in mind, can, you know, I know both of you, neither of you authored the, the resolution, um, but I know Daniel, you were you spoke at the at the vote um, as a constituent of the legislative body that voted on this. And Bridget, you are a member of that legislative body yourself. Um, so I guess can we start? I'll start with Bridget. Um, can you tell me about like why you supported this resolution and why you saw the need for that um, IHRA resolution? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that this definition goes beyond um, just defining anti-Semitism as hatred, um, 
towards Jews. And I think it really details the ways that it can manifest itself in ways that maybe people didn't initially think about. Um, I read many examples from the EU about concrete examples in the past six or seven years um, where the examples found in this definition have really manifested itself. And you would never think that something so small um, would be anti-Semitic, but inherently it is in this definition proves that. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give an example, um, applying double standards um, to Israel than to that of um, any any other country. So treating um, the actions, not holding the actions of Israel um, up to the same standard of any other country. And the way that this can manifest itself um, is when you're forcing people to denounce um, the actions of the Israeli government to be able to participate in a festival Mm -hmm. um, when the festival had nothing to do with um, religion and nothing to do with Israel. But the founders of the festival required that the man who wanted to perform denounce the actions of the state of Israel, which is something that no one else had to do with any other country. And I think that's where that's where I have a problem. And I think that other people should have a problem too. And this definition details situations like that um, where, being, where people are being forced to do things solely because of the fact that they're Jewish and are being excluded um, because of that. So I think that there is a need for it among this campus mm-hmm. because I don't want everyday Jewish students at this school um, to get conflated with actions of a certain government or um, a military defense force that they are not a part of. Um, mm-hmm. They're a Jewish student at this school studying at this university. How can we prevent these everyday inconveniences for these students and these everyday just um like pain um with a with a definition that really outlines the more hidden way the more hidden forms of anti-semitism that it has morphed into the past few years mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, and I, I think what you're what something that you're touching on, which is why like this definition is so important, is that people, again, you know, people who aren't Jewish, they don't understand Jewish identity because it isn't their their experience. Uh, they don't understand the the experiences that students like you, uh, like both of you and your peers, they don't know what you what you experience um, and this this these experiences that you're discussing of Jewish students who have maybe never even been to Israel being held accountable for the actions of the Israeli government or the Israeli army because they're Jewish and Israel is the Jewish state. Um, and that is one of the 
examples that the authors of the IHRA working definition of anti-Semitism give uh, that is, you know, this is considered anti-Semitic, holding uh, Jewish individuals accountable for the action, for like Israeli policy and the actions of the Israeli government. Uh, Daniel, you you spoke at the at the vote. Um, why did you support this this resolution and why did you see the need for it? Um, I I really supported this definition because like you said earlier, it's a framework. It's an educational framework that mm-hmm. is the goal of it is to make sure people are aware of what is anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. Um, like also you said, it's not like legislative, it's not legally binding. Or like I guess it is because in the form of the bill of its implement, implementation, but inherently it's not gonna do anything outright, aside from let people know and be able to identify anti-Semitic incidents when they occur and they do occur at Berkeley. There was like the week before something someone graffitied on a wall of like an ASUC building on campus. Was it like Jew go away or something like that? It's like that happens. I have like friends in my, I'm in a pilot Jewish fraternity, like friends in my fraternity who like maybe also wear Megan David and have been called like slurs walking by or we did Sukkot last year. We're sitting there eating our (laughs) dinner in the sukkah and people drive by and yelled stuff at us. It's like these, these things, I don't know what it is, if it's Berkeley, the the school or what it, it is, but people have a problem with Jews um, and no matter what it is the IRA just covers like every facet of Mm anti-semitism like it's important that those examples are used to uh, relating to Israel like especially I mean at Berkeley you mentioned Israel and people everything goes crazy Mm -hmm. which is just like really not a good way to handle (laughs) the situation like one like the conflict is very convoluted yes yes but like, if we can't talk about it on a campus, how is like anything gonna happen? Like, I think that was one of the things I've tried to focus on more recently is that talking is one of the most important things you can do like it, regarding this conflict and having these one-on-one conversations about, hey, what is this? Like to making your definitions, et cetera. But then going back to just IRA and anti-Semitism, defining that at its core and having something that you can rely on on is like essential to prevent like catastrophe and I don't know a better way to put it so it's really just seeing this happen in the ACC and seeing like a lot of my friends a lot of people in my community go up there and speak about their personal experiences whether they faced anti-semitism their friends were facing it or they just are are seeing it (laughs) around and then seeing kind of a blatant disregard for this definition that is widely accepted many places all over the world institutionally etc why can't we just understand and why can't the jewish community establish their definition for anti-semitism gave me a lot of weird feelings and to a lot of people in the community um and especially just shows kind of how there are some some clear issues (laughs) within the the ACC mm-hmm. and how like there needs to be more maybe more due diligence more directed education about this topic maybe before something like this happens again who like I, I'm I'm not sure I'm not 
that involved with um like the ACC itself um I do a lot of other stuff within the community but it's just to me shows a lack of education mm. and when we're trying to implement an educational tool to help this happen it, it's really hard to see um so I, I'm just hoping that there's change in some regard and that people start to make an effort to learn about what it's like to be a Jewish student on campus and how to prevent making us feel this unsafety or this yeah feeling unsafe on campus which happens frequently yeah so when you say you know you talk about feeling unsafe on campus um you know and you also mentioned the experiences that you've had where the you know people have come by and and said you know called you and and the other AEPI brothers like names um you know would you say that that um I mean would you say that those are are common experiences or uh like ex like the exception to your your experience I mean I wouldn't say common but they've happened which is yeah. like way more yeah. than enough like th these things are simply shouldn't be happening it's 2023 I mean this happened in the fall I know like things have happened like I things happen a couple times a semester like that maybe but I mean it, then things go even crazier like I was tabling for um Bears for Israel a couple weeks ago and like our president she was tabling and someone came up to her and like said some awful things like about her and her family which was just because she was Jewish mm -hmm. and it's like whoa <laughs> like this is way too much like you this, literally attacking someone and saying that they you would feel more comfortable if they were dead wow. is such an absurd you would sleep better at night knowing that her family is dead which is wow. like whoa <laughs> like that like actually like gave me chills and like it made me really take a step back and realize how pr problematic this can be that there are people on this campus that just don't I don't even know how you get that far you know mm -hmm. like I, I it's terrifying and when there are things like like what happened to the ACC building the graffiti and really nothing happened um I think there maybe a statement was put out because there was a couple other instances of graffiti towards other groups too mm -hmm. but still it's like I don't know it's it it feels like there's not enough happening and when we're a minority on campus it like feels like we're not yeah thought of enough yeah. so let me ask you um so i know that your the student government meeting where this was discussed where the ihra resolution was discussed that meeting lasted for hours and hours and i know that the uh you know pushback on that resolution was you know, pretty aggressive. Um, has have there been other sort of solidarity resolutions discussed in student government at UC Berkeley that that, that passed? Like, did they have any? You know, and if the answer is yes, like, did they have the same aggressive opposition? Bridget, do you know? My understanding, I know that there's been recognition of 
groups on campus that maybe have not gotten certain attention from the university that they should have or issues on campus that the university has failed to address and those have passed unanimously mm. and have had no amendments made to them um, these are more specific to lack of support for these communities or lack of understanding of their struggles as um, an Iranian community, for example. So resolutions like those tend to pass unanimously. And when they're not tied to a geopolitical issue, they they pass unanimously. And so I don't really think there has been a different resolution that has been tied to a geopolitical issue. So there has not been an opportunity for us to see whether or not um, it receives pushback or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, something that I, you know, noticed, I mean, I just, I can't imagine how anyone could hear what, you know, both of you have have experienced either personally or what your families have have survived and say that your community doesn't deserve protection. And so I just, you know, I'm just so sorry to hear that those things have happened to to you guys and to, to people that you know at your school and that you weren't, you know, that your resolution didn't pass unanimously. I'm I'm so sorry to, you know, to hear that and and the comment that was made to the student who was tabling, I just am uh I mean there are no words for there are no words for that it's it's completely unacceptable and it it's it's baffling to me that you guys that your community would be expected to experience such a high threshold of that pain that you talked about earlier Bridget before you know your student government acts to pass a resolution in solidarity with you the way they have unanimously for other communities. I'm I'm just I'm so sorry to hear that. Can you, you. yeah. Um, you know, most people, you know, again, most people who are listening have never been in one of these student government meetings. They've never been in a vote, whether it was for uh, you know, a BDS resolution or um, a resolution for in, for the Jewish community in support of the Jewish community, like you guys just went through. Can you describe for me what that room was like? Yeah, definitely. Um, at first, it was a smaller room, I want to say, maybe with 100 people, and mostly was student government officials and the extension so parts of their offices Mm -hmm. Um, but after realizing that there was over an hour line um, to get into this room and that line would not move because we had already filled the capacity they had soon realized that it would have made more sense to move the meeting to a room that can hold more students so we are moved to poly pavilion which is a room that can hold hundreds and hundreds of people. So once we packed up all of our stuff and moved, um, that's when 
the weird hostile environment started where we had two big groups of um, people who were not in support of Ira on the sides and behind also. And then we have a big group of Jewish students and people who supported Ira in the middle of the room. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really sure how that um, configuration came about, but it was quite interesting and almost felt like they were being trapped, um, even though it was, for the most part, a very uh, respectful and I wouldn't say respectful, but peaceful hmm. arrangement where um, people like audience members were not attacking each other, um, but there were definitely flags and posters um, that were being put up every time um, a Jewish person or someone spoke in support of Ira. So um, it was just interesting to see how those flags went up those posters went up immediately as um, someone would talk and even goes further as to um, lift up posters when the Southeast Asian um, senator would speak and hold up a poster in her face that says Southeast Asians um, like do not support IRA and Southeast Asians are um, in support of Palestine just to kind of um, remind her and guide her to where her priorities and where her views should align. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a really interesting um, configuration of people in the room. And it was definitely very hectic. And um, it almost turned into a debate, I would say, because I felt that we were in public comment about the consent calendar and as soon as one community heard something that they didn't like they would send another person um, from their community to go put their name into the pile and address everything that they didn't like to hear Mm -hmm. and I think from then it it wasn't more of a um say all that you need to say it was more of a back and forth debate Mm -hmm. and that was a big part of the reason why I motioned to give everyone a final 10 minutes to put their names into the list because I felt that we would have been sitting there all night long had we given people the chance to continue to rebuttal um, everything that they heard so that was a big reason why I felt like I needed to cut it off but at a time that gave people a few minutes to really make sure that if they wanted to speak they could so I I set myself personally like I'm gonna give my speech and then I'm gonna go home and go on zoom because I just I I can't lose more sleep like weeks are crazy here um so I I was able to stay and watch the support which was really nice but the environment was crazy like the student in support of I would come up and then we what snaps like whatever this then a student and against Ira would come up and there'd be like banging on like the floor and like loud cheering all this it was just really like it was just a lot like it like I wish it was 
more centered around a discussion of what IRA was and what its impact would be for Jewish students, then I think the public comment is helpful to a certain extent, but okay. a lot of people don't even know what IRA is when they're going up there and giving a public comment. They just hear like, oh, IRA is the thing that's going to make us unable to uh, advocate our beliefs, mm -hmm. which like if I think if people did a little more due diligence mm -hmm. and were able to, I don't know, like really try to understand from another perspective what it means mm -hmm. um, that the conversations really shouldn't have even been there. Yeah. Like I think conversations were framed in the, in the wrong place at times. Um, and I, I wasn't there. So it's interesting that what you're saying is, you know, I asked you about like what the room was like and, uh, you know, you described at a student government meeting where a resolution that was that discussed anti-Semitism, uh, which is experienced by the Jewish community, uh, which is, you know, hatred of the Jewish people. And that's the the topic, that's the the focus of that discussion. You had people coming, waving uh, Palestinian flags whenever someone spoke in opposition of it. And, uh, you know, it's just, so I just want to want to know that, you know, that decentering of the conversation that you're, that you're discussing, right? That it was, you know, meant to be a conversation about uh, you know, the Jewish community and what the Jewish community community needs in order to, in order to prevent and, and uh, decrease discrimination against the Jewish community. And the conversation got decentered from that into this like political conf uh, conversation and this conversation about a conflict on the other side of the world. But again, uh, you two uh, Daniel, I think you said you've only been to Israel twice in your life. Uh, you are not responsible for Israeli policy. You're not responsible for the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And and that's what the conversation turned into. Is that what you're saying? It didn't necessarily get into anything deep regarding policy or anything like that. But it was mm -hmm. just the it felt like there was a clear disregard of the like main point of the bill. And they really right. just focused on that example of how, like, targeting Israel right. with, with Jewish people can be anti-Semitic. And right. then just put that as, like, this is going to make me so I can't do what I, I don't know, what what they want to do. Which, if, if you take it in regards to the bill, I don't think that's a good, <laughs> like, if it's like, we can't do this. But it, if it's defined as anti-Semitic, then it's that's interesting. Right, um, right. I'm not insinuating that they are necessarily that, but. How did each of you feel when you heard the results that the resolution did not pass? Uh, Bridget, we can start with you. Yeah, so I first want to say that I do think that some parts of policy trickled into this conversation. We heard um, ways on how you can support the BDS movement. What are, what are the ways when you go shopping for items how can you identify that what you're buying is has been made in Israel and how um, the IDF has impacted their family? Mm. And um, I think this really does trickle into policy um, in these conversations and in that room specifically. 
And after hearing seven or eight hours um, of public comment, um, for a lot of senators, they were just tired and ready to go home and they were not, um, they were not willing to sit and have a conversation about the lived experiences that we just heard about. And that was sad um, to hear because for them and for how much I care about Berkeley and our student community, um, I would have sat there all night and talked about an, another issue that was really impacting a big group of people at Berkeley. So it was just hard to see that um, they were not willing to sit down and have that needed discussion, or at least if they didn't want to have that discussion that night because of how tired they were, um, why couldn't we postpone this and continue having this conversation later on? Because there was so much more that could have been said as a legislative body and public comment controlled that conversation to the point where there was no governmental debate or at least recap of what we just heard. And, and we didn't really sort through those things. Um, we didn't sort through what we just heard in our discussions and we kind of just put everything to a vote, which um, really hurt. Mm -hmm. I know really hurt the Jewish community. Yeah. Daniel, how did you feel when you heard about those results? Um, it didn't feel good, but I definitely expected it. Mm. <laughs> like I think just understanding going into it, the 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 climate and then especially being there was like, okay, wow, this is way off the rails. That mm -hmm. it was like, I can't imagine that this is gonna end up in in the right place like we'll have to like figure out a new strategy for next time because so obviously i mean this happened and it showed a lot of issues with a lot of parts of the process and i think now it's just the responsibility for whoever wants to tackle it next or keep fighting for jewish students and trying to establish some sort of grounds for anti-semitism um prevention that there are some there are some more steps that need to be taken before it gets brought back to to a group like that yeah yeah um so i oh go ahead i just want to add something i think yeah. that after this day i i don't know if you wanted to get there or not but yeah um, we really had further discussions about um who are the communities that are really against IRA and, and why and what are the ways that we can still implement parts of IRA in into the student government into the conversations that we have um, without unfortunately institutionalizing this definition and I'm hoping and what um, we've been working on is an anti-semitism training that allows for conversations about how those examples may manifest itself in anti-Semitism so that the people, the governing body for years to come will know how those examples can manifest itself. So they themselves will be able to 
identify anti-Semitism. And when a governing body is able to define it, then they will be more comfortable in combating it because they see it and understand understand it for what it is. Mm-hmm. So I'm really hoping that we can start those conversations and get this training um the training institutionalized so we can have those tough conversations in a less hostile way Mm -hmm. so i have i have two final questions uh, for each of you how have you seen the jewish community at uc berkeley come together to support each other in in that difficult time I think at least from the the group of students that were there, like at the meeting, mm-hmm. we all kind of were there, like very much feeling a form of pressure. And then mm-hmm. even just like while we we're there, it was just like clear that we were there together. And like the, and the interactions in that room with with all of us just felt like very genuine. Um, mm-hmm. And then coming out of it, we're having like our whatever follow-up meetings or debriefs with with whoever was like very much like wow like that was intense and a lot like how are you doing because it's like this this happens but then guess what you have a midterm the next day and papers do like there's a lot of stress happening and then something like this it's very personal very unavoidable it's difficult so it's really been nice that I mean a bunch of parts of the community like are very very tight and and supportive so it's been there's support like in every corner of the Jewish community so it's really nice to have that at least yeah we're very lucky I I definitely see that the I feel like we're more unified than ever which is something that you wouldn't expect but we are and it honestly has given me the opportunity after this day, it's given me the opportunity to really go back and talk to some Jewish students who maybe aren't in support of IRA um, because there were some, uh, especially at that meeting. So it's definitely has left room for discussion. Uh, but for the big majority of Jewish students who um, wholeheartedly supported IRA, we've really grown as a community. So I'm I'm very happy about that. That's wonderful to hear that, you know, that unity and that people have come together to support one another. What advice would you give to a high school senior uh, who's thinking about going to college and, uh, you know, thinking about what it will mean to be a Jewish student on campus? What advice do you have for that person? Um, I'll say just making sure that you're putting yourself out there in yeah. situations. I mean, for me, like I to try new things to the point and it's going to feel you'll find something that feels like home. Bridget? My advice would be, if you don't know what you're doing, just dive right in. I I definitely had a very good understanding of uh, um, how to strengthen Jewish communities, but never, never in this way. And I think that being a part of these conversations and being so involved um, in standing up for what you believe in is so important and really can 
helps you improve yourself and become more open-minded and become more educated and use that education and that knowledge is power to fuel those conversations that you have. And I really think the Jewish, what the Jewish community does well is we really focus on our education yeah. because we understand that it is power. And I guess my advice would just be to, even though it may be hard and even if you don't know a lot, these Jewish communities are here to teach you and allow you to get involved if you want to. So um, don't ever feel like you don't know enough and don't ever feel like you can't get involved because you definitely can. And if you believe um, in something, especially for this cause, then um, really, really do get involved and don't be scared. It's okay to be scared, but like... <laughs> Use that fear to empower you. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Well said. You know, like like you, you both kind of touched on this, but at times it might feel like so many people are against you, but there are so many more people that are for you. If, if you stand up and you do the right thing, we're all here. We have your back. Uh, Daniel, Bridget, thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you so much for your leadership on campus. Thanks Thank you so much, We really appreciate you. Yes. I love you guys. Love you. That's Thank a wrap. You. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to follow us on social media at IsraelCC and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.